Well, we're going to hit a lot of scripture today, uh, but our focus is going to be in the book of Hebrews, in fact, the 11th chapter. And as we talked about last week in the introduction, we're going to be talking about a lot of these heroes of the faith as identified uh, by the author of Hebrews. Heroes like Enoch and Isaac, Joseph, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, uh, all kinds of different heroes, people who were focused on their faith in God. The book of Hebrews, uh, written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was written uh, for Jews. Jews who have, had just come to know Jesus Christ, had, had come to an understanding of who Jesus was, and they had come to that faith. They became Christians, but a lot of their old ways, a lot of their training as they were growing up in, in that uh, culture, there was a lot of works involved in their belief system. And so the author of Hebrews, which we don't know the exact author, maybe an apostle, maybe uh, one of the apostles' companions, but, but what they're trying to get, get across is that faith is absolutely crucial. There was the old covenant, and now there's a new covenant under the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and the faith and the understanding of that was absolutely crucial for these new believers uh, to, to come to knowledge of. That they could rest in their faith and at the same time allow their faith to create dynamic works. But because of their faith, Listen to some of the words in Hebrews 10. We're talking about Hebrews 11, but let's go back to Hebrews 10. If you want, you, you're welcome to go there too. Hebrews 10, I'm going to start with verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. I thought that was interesting. I was talking to my son Reggie and, and daughter Molly 10-year-old and 12-year-old on the way up here about the Holy of Holies. And, and, and what great car conversation that is, isn't it? And, and we're talking about that. And listen to that verse, that we could, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. You see, only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies. But because of the blood of Jesus, because of the new covenant that, that's been eliminated, by the new and living way, I'll continue in the scripture, by the new and living way that he helped for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. There's the full assurance of faith again. We see that in the first verse of chapter 11, the full assurance. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast that confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Then I'm going to jump to verse 32 of Hebrews 10. But recall the former days... When after you were enlightened, after you learned of who Jesus was, his sacrifice and his, his resurrection and his ascension, when you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully, think of this, you joyfully, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Who's joyfully accepting the plundering of their property? But when you have that assurance, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, one that lasted for eternity, when you have Jesus in your life, you have eternity to look forward to. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. 
for you have need of endurance. Endurance is crucial for the faithful. It's crucial for the faithful. And, the, and he's getting us ready for chapter 11 to talk about all of those heroes that had the endurance to, to remain faithful in spite of the plundering that was going on in their lives, in spite of, of their possessions being taken away, in spite of all kinds of variables, the endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Powerful. You see, I, I like, the author says, remember these people who kept their focus on the reward. They, they, they thought about the long game, not about the short gain. And, you know, I think that's what we do all the time is, is, um, as, as just people. We think about how do we gain something just in a short period of time. And we sometimes forget. And, and sometimes it's the younger you are, the less mature you are, you, you start thinking about how do I, how do I uh, deal with this? Credit. Is a, is a big example of that. We, we just want to get something quickly, and then we'll pay for it later, and sometimes there's that one commercial now that, uh, oh, wow, we just enjoyed that dinner, and that's only going to cost us a, an extra $128 down the road. My, my son, he, uh, uh, we have five kids, and so one of the things that we have done when they entered high school, we decided that we are going to give them $75 towards a new pair of shoes for every sport they play if they uh, required new shoes. Well, last year, my son, Jacob, he, uh, he wanted a, a new pair of soccer shoes, and he needed them. His feet had grown, and you're pretty hard on your soccer shoes, and especially in high school sports. And, and, and so I'm like, okay. Uh, have you figured out which ones you're going to get? I said, I found these for $50. And he goes, Dad, I want to get these shoes. And they were $95. I said, okay, I'll give you $75, and you can always put more money towards it. He goes, I'll tell you what, Dad. <laughs> Here comes the negotiating. I'll tell you what, Dad. You pay the $95, and then when comes basketball season... You don't have to pay anything. I said, okay, so if I pay 95 right now, even though I've told you I will give you $75 for each season if you need the shoes, which I knew he was going to need basketball shoes because his feet had grown, then you're not going to get $75 a basketball season. Correct. I want these shoes. Okay. So instead of paying $150, dad drops $95. So, basketball season comes along. Hey, Dad, uh, I need to get some new shoes. I said, oh, yeah. What kind are you going to get? And he goes, oh, I, I, I don't know. He goes, with your, with your 75. And I said, ooh, let's stop right there. I said, Dad's not paying anything. I paid 95 for your soccer shoes. He goes, oh, that's right. Isn't that like Jacob and Esau? You, you sell your birthright for a bowl of soup. Very, very small in comparison to thinking about what, what we do to sell ourselves out when we could think of eternity. And we all do that at, at different times. We compromise our values in small, tiny ways for whatever that small, tiny gain is when in light of eternity, I, I've been thinking about this all week, that, that, that how I sell out in just those tiny little things. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be, be uh, fully sanctified. But, but we need to be striving towards that, striving towards looking to God and saying, how can we live for you perfectly in some dynamic way? The author of Hebrews is reminding his audience to keep faith. Endure to the end. Endure to the end. And that's a theme you could see all over Scripture. And, and you know what? When, when you do that, your great works, because we're talking all about faith here, but obviously, when you are a faithful person, 
when you love the Lord your God so much and it's so much in you, your works are going to abound. That, that, that's not going to give you any extra credit with God in the sense of, oh, okay, now you're really faithful. No, your faith comes out, your, your faith is a noun and it turns into an action because of who Jesus is. You know, when I, when I look at this congregation, I see people of faith. I see people uh, who, who love the Lord, men, women, the children who went downstairs, people who love God, who love Jesus Christ. But if we're going to endure to the end as people of faith, I think, uh, I think we need to examine ourselves. And, and, and I, I think we can glean a ton of stuff off of uh, understanding who Abel is. Abel's the guy we're going to talk about today. We don't hear one word from Abel in Scripture, and yet he speaks extremely loudly. And it says it throughout Scripture that he speaks loudly. All right. Let's dig into this story. It's going to take us to several places in Scripture. Uh, we're not going to just stay in Hebrews 11, uh, but we'll start there. Hebrews 11, we're going to do one verse. One verse. And you know what? That, that's the beauty. We can learn and gain a lot from one Bible verse. But you know what the greatest thing about Scripture is? The greatest thing about Scripture is that Scripture helps us to understand Scripture. The Bible proves the Bible. You always use multiple things in Scripture to understand what is happening. That's why we always talk about the hist history of what the book we're reading, who the author is, if we can understand that. That's why that stuff is, is interesting and uh, a good stuff to know. As you become more mature as a believer, and as you're studying God's Word, you want to know details about that book, who the author is, what, what is his audience, what are they trying to teach. Now, what does other scriptures say about this scripture? That helps uh, enlighten you to help you to understand. And hopefully, uh, Lord willing, the Holy Spirit uh, will help guide you in that process as well. All right, Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So much packed into one verse. Let's go, uh, let, let, let's talk about where we get this story of, of Abel and his brother. Anyone remember his brother's name? Cain. Yep, Cain. They're the first people, first men born outside. They're the first men born. God created man and female, Adam and Eve, and then they, there's two kids that are born. Cain and Abel. They're born outside of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had already committed uh, sin, and, and they were sent out of the garden. And, and you know what? Let's pick up the story right there. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 3. So all the way at the front of your Bibles, Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 8. This is just after Adam and Eve uh, sinned, eating of the, eating of the fruit most pictures represented as an apple, eating of the fruit in the midst of the garden, uh, the tree that they were told uh, they were forbidden to eat from. So we're going to start verse 8. Genesis 3, 8. And they heard a sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. Bill and I were talking about this this week. Uh, Imagine hearing the sound of the Lord walking. Powerful, just a powerful statement there. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife 
hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I, I just want to pause it real quick. Isn't it something when we commit sin, when we are, are, are not focused in on God, it's, it's almost like we hide. It's like the kids, when, when they do something against mom and dad, they hide. They think somehow that's protecting them or preventing what's going to happen. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? We know God already knows the answers. He's just asking the questions. The man said, the woman who, gave, who you gave to me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Throwing his wife under the bus, classic. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Again, always passing blame. Verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, crucial to understand that he's talking to Satan here. God's talking to Satan. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. This is, these are the crucial verses I want you to hear. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. I mean, immediately God says, hey, they have sinned. I'm going to give you a way out. I'm telling you right now, endure. I'm giving you a way out. Doesn't mean you're not going to be punished. Now the husband and wife are, are, are put out of, the, uh, out of the garden. Verse 24 of chapter 3 says, He being God drove out the man and at, at the east of the garden of Eden. He placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. That brings us to the fourth chapter. And this is the chapter that talks about uh, Cain and Abel. We'll probably sneak our way back into chapter 3 in a minute. Let's hear about Abel and his older brother. Chapter 4 of Genesis. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. We're going to take a break here. To make sure we know what's going on. Adam and Eve, they had the first ever baby. First ever baby is born. And they named him Cain. Many commentators, in fact, say that Cain means um, he is here. It's hard to understand exactly what, they, well, what the Hebrew was, but uh, they, they say he is here, meaning maybe, maybe that Adam and Eve thought, this is the guy. This is the guy that, uh, that God just told Satan about. The one who's going to bruise the head. Okay, he's here. We, we, we should be good. You know, it sounds somewhat logical. That, that, that could be the reason. Maybe, maybe it's not. But here's something interesting. Theologically speaking, this is a good theology lesson, it's impossible. It was impossible for Adam and Eve to have the Savior. Because they're both sinners. It, it, it took a perfect seed. The seed comes from the man. It took a perfect seed. So... If you look at Luke 1.34, it says, you can, you can write that down for later, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? I don't think I need to explain what that means. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Holy Spirit had to provide the perfect seed. That, that's, where, that's where if Adam and Eve named Cain, thinking he was the Savior, they were completely off theologically, which uh, you, you can't mark them down for that if you're keeping score, just because how, how would they understand at that point? But it took a perfect seed, which had to only come from a holy God, the most holy. Absolutely crucial to understand that because the only one who could bruise the head of Satan is God, Jesus Christ. So instead of bruising the head of Satan, Cain bruises the head of his brother. We'll talk about that in a minute. Cain was a farmer of fruit or grain uh, of the ground. He, he was a, probably a good farmer, I'm guessing. Abel, he was a, uh, we don't know how, how much younger, I'm guessing. If I had to guess, I'd, I'd say they're probably pretty close in age. I, I'm, I'm guessing there wasn't uh, uh, a long span between of them. Both of these occupations were absolutely noble. Nowhere in Scripture is it saying that, that uh, because Cain was a farmer, he wasn't righteous, and because Abel was a shepherd, a keeper of livestock, probably of, of, uh, uh, of goats uh, as well, he, he was much better. No, there, the Scripture doesn't teach us that. It just notes, uh, notes for a reference. By the way, I, I thought it was interesting as I'm studying this, and you're thinking of, of uh, um, Adam who named all of the animals and kept that straight, taking care of the garden. Now you see his children, one's a, a, a farmer, one's a, a shepherd, and we're taught in school I'm a long-time educator. I know some of you guys are too. And, and we're taught in school that humans started off as cavemen. Neanderthals, people who, who didn't have a mind to understand language or communication and stuff like that. It sure sounds like they had great communication. They had great skills. In fact, we're going to see that there was actually the sacrifice was prepared in such a way. So there was a way of understanding how, how to uh, kill the animal and how to pull the fat out and, and all of the different variables and, and to get the crops going and if there was goats, how to take the milk and, and, and how to store it and utilize it. Brilliant. And some would say, and I think Bill uh, would argue this, that, that they were more brilliant than we could ever imagine ourselves. Yeah, we have technology uh, and uh, knowledge coming into us through Google and that type of stuff, but their minds were, were so uh, strengthened. So it's just interesting to note as you study uh, some of these things to think about uh, some of the other factors in it. And I can go on and on about that, but we'll continue on in Genesis 4. We'll save that for another message. <clears throat> Genesis 4, back in there. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and their fat portions. So we're going to pause again. In the course of time. In the course of time. It's interesting just to look at that and think God appointed this time. You see, Moses later on uh, sets, a, sets a process up of, of when the sacrifices were to happen and, and when, when things were great. Uh, I, I think every four years, uh, the, the uh, grain was, was considered holy. There's a whole process set up, uh, a system later on by, uh, through Moses. This is prior to that. But, but I'm sure mom and dad have been told, and, and we see that, that the Lord speaks 
to the boys, at least to Cain, we, we see that in Scripture. So there's a process of what they're supposed to do and, and, and when they're supposed to do it. Let's go with our first point here. If we are a people of faith, we should be centered on the Word of God. This is two weeks in a row that this point is almost exactly the same. The Word of God is absolutely crucial. Amen? It's absolutely crucial. For Cain and Abel, it meant that they were literally hearing the voice of God. And, and they were probably hearing a lot of commands from mom and dad. Learning a lot from them because mom and dad had walked with God. Literally. For us, it means going to the Lord in prayer. Hearing from the Holy Spirit. It means studying God's word. Knowing that the reading of God's word always, always is beneficial. Always is profitable. However, some of us, we heed God's word out of peer pressure because we think that that just makes God happy if we read his, read his word. Kind of like a kid who's annoyed with his parents. He, he cleans, his, cleans up his room and he's annoyed the whole time and he's just doing it just to satisfy his mom and dad. Yeah, he got it done, but where's the heart in that? Where's the focus in that? Remember we read the, uh, uh, we studied the story of um, Simon the magician in the book of Acts, seventh chapter, maybe eighth chapter, it's seventh or eighth chapter, and, and, and Simon, he heard the word of, of the Lord, and it came from Philip. Remember Philip? He came and, and, and he shared the message with all the people there at Samaria, Samarita and uh, Samaria and and. Simon's listening, but Simon's thinking, what can I get from it? He wasn't thinking, oh, how could I serve this God? He's thinking, how do I get something out of it? And then Peter and John, remember, they come down and they lay hands on the people, and that's when the Holy Spirit fell upon the people. Simon got excited because he's like, that's what I want. I want that power. I want to be able to do that. Well, he, he wasn't thinking right. He was hearing the word of God spoken from the apostles and the disciples, and, and, and he, he, he missed the whole point. The whole point was, was to hear and heed to the word of God because of your love and your faith for Jesus Christ. And, and that's exactly what, what we need to be doing here. People do that all the time. People get committed to reading God's word every day, and, and it's just a checkbox. Got that one done. What's next? Oh, brush my teeth. Let me get that done too. Whereas when you're centered on the word of God, everything in your life rotates around that. Meaning the decisions you make as a family, the decisions you make as a, as, as a husband, the decisions you make as a kid, the decisions you make as grandpa, all of those decisions are based on God's word. They have a foundation, a foundation that can't be broken. You see, when we lean in on our own understanding, we have trouble. There, there is trouble to be had there. But when we lean in on God's word and say, you are going to guide me, you are, I, I'm going to be centered here, now you have some direction. Now you have some hope. Now you have assurance of what's to come because you're leaning in and you're centering your life on the perfection of God's word. Hebrews 10 says you have been enlightened. You've been enlightened. You'll joyfully accept the plundering of your property because you're centered on God's word. And when you're centered on God's word, now you have a real focus. Let's keep reading from Genesis 4. Back to verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Our second point today. 
If we are to be people of faith, we should be led by our desire to worship the Almighty. Coming to church is a form of worship. We should come together as believers to worship God together, uh, to, to praise Him. We can get together for a nice lunch. We can get together to be entertained. We can go to the Waterman Park down the street for a Memorial Day picnic, enjoy our time there. But when we come together to worship, it should be driven out of our great desire, our, our great hope to worship God. In fact, all of those things that I just mentioned, all of those are opportunities to worship God in different ways. But when we come to church, are you preparing your heart for a time of worship? Are you preparing, or, or uh, lots of people are, are yelling, get their shoes, where are my shoes? Get in the car, let's go, we gotta go. Now that happens, I have five kids, I know it. But where's your preparation of worshiping God? When you're getting down, God loves to hear the nit, nitty-gritty. He already knows it. He already knew where Adam and Eve were in the garden. He still asked the question because he wants us to come before him with open hands and say, I need you. That's worship. When it's about God and it's not about you, it's worship. Because it is all about God. When we read these verses, we see a tale of two brothers. One is going through the motions, following the word of God somewhat, while the other is, is looking to have fellowship with the Almighty by following what was set before him as a way of atonement. There's that word I was teaching my 10 and 12-year-old about, atonement. You see, when we sin, we need to make amends to God. We have to have a process. God, God has ordained that from the beginning. We, we need God to truly show pity on us because when we're guilty of sin, we're deserving of death. We're deserving of, of, of hell. And we call this grace. That's how we often refer to it, is grace. Let's quick sneak peek back into Genesis 3. Genesis 3.21. Perhaps God explained it to Adam and Eve a little bit further, but, but after they sinned, they found themselves naked. They needed to, to be covered by a sacrifice. And, and it was a great picture that God did. It's the first time, and God does it for him. Genesis 3.21, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. An animal sacrifice, and actually clothed them with that sacrifice. Now we see Abel, the firstborn, killing his firstborn uh, of his flock and having their fat portions ready for God. It, it was the appointed time for Abel and Cain to come with their sacrifice. It was an opportunity for blood of their sacrifice to be offered to God as an atonement for their sins, as an atonement. Fruit and grain, well, we see that throughout uh, the Old Testament, and that was used in many times as a way of sacrifice and, and, and a way of uh, uh, giving to the Lord. But in this case, it apparently wasn't so. Hebrews 11.4, back to our verse. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. Abel's sacrifice was better than Cain's. And I believe because of what he brought to the Lord, that's one reason, but I also believe it was it was the heart as well, the worship as well. Because he was worshiping the Almighty with a pure heart. Later on, we're going to see Moses 
uh, he, he's trying to lead his people out of Egypt through, through God's power, and, and we see all the, the plagues, and then the tenth, tenth plague is coming along, and, and, and it's going to be killing of the firstborn. And, and, and God says in Exodus 12, uh, 23, he, he gives a way of atonement, a, a, a process to be atoned, to, to uh, have God show pity on him. Exodus 12, 23, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. Atonement. We see in Yom Kippur, we see the day of atonement. When the high priest would go in, he, he, he'd perform the sacrifice so he could, him and his family could be forgiven and then then he would uh, perform some other sacrifices in order to go into the Holy of Holies so the nation could be forgiven. I think it was the seventh month. And then we see, obviously, the bread of life coming uh, from Bethlehem, from the line of David. We, we hear John the Baptist say in, in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away sin of the world. Wow. Hebrews 9, 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Here, here's how one pastor put it. It would be one lamb for one man in Genesis. It, later on at the Passover, it would be one lamb for one family. The Day of Atonement, it would be one lamb for one nation. And then finally with Jesus Christ, it would be one lamb for the world. That is powerful to think of, that atonement because of Jesus Christ. We have the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. And it begins with acknowledging of your sin and the need for an atoning sacrifice. That's where it begins. Do you acknowledge your sin? That's the question. Do you acknowledge your absolute need for an atoning sacrifice because of your sin? That's the understanding of Jesus Christ and, and his ultimate sacrifice that he gave for us. He was the high priest who offered the sacrifice himself. The perfect sacrifice. After the service today, Josh and Samantha are going to be uh, dedicating their beautiful Daisy Nicole. And they're going to be presenting Daisy Nicole before, uh, before us, their family, before God, saying we are going to, as a church, as a family, as a Mom and Dad, we are going to raise Daisy to love you, Jesus Christ. But at some point, Daisy needs to understand her atonement need. She's going to have to understand her need for a Savior like Jesus Christ. Her mom and dad understand it right now. But someday... Little Daisy will be much older Daisy. And she's going to need the Lord as well. She's going to have to understand that she needs the Lord. Abel, he was acknowledging his need of a Savior. He came to truly worship the Almighty with his gift, whereas Cain came haphazardly. Getting back to Genesis 4, verse 4b. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you but you must rule over it. 
Let's cover our last point here. Then, then we'll just talk about these different verses. If we are people of faith, we should be centered on God's word. We should be led by our desire to worship the Almighty. And finally, we should be witnesses for our king. We should be witnesses for our king. Abel was a witness for the king by his actions, by following uh, through with what the Lord had put forth. He was a witness. He didn't have to speak. We don't have a record of him speaking. In fact, we have all kinds of, of witnesses for the king that we can see. We talked about missionaries last week. Mentioned a couple missionaries who served the king, who went out and told people about it. We'll talk about these witnesses through the 11th chapter of Hebrews. There are more times than, than we can imagine to be witnesses for our king as individuals. But before we can be witnesses, Jesus needs to become our king. I probably should say that a different way. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king of kings. He is the king whether we make him king or we say he's not our king. It doesn't matter. He's still our king. We need to choose to bow our knee before him. And in fact, there's so many people in this, in this country, in this world, and in, in past and, and in future that will never bow their knee to God at this time. They, 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 we, we talked about billions of people haven't even heard his name. But they will one day know that Jesus is the king. Romans 14, 11 says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And one of my favorites, Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every single person will witness that Jesus is king, no matter what. Where are we at right now? We have the privilege today, even today, to share this great message of Jesus Christ. The church, we're here, our goal is, is we prepare, we, we, we help mature believers, men to go out and, and, and preach the gospel. Many, many people will come to know the Lord through their church, through their local congregation in the actual service. But most people will come to know the Lord outside of these walls. That's where they'll, they'll learn about Jesus for the first time. That's where they'll, they'll hear about Jesus. We talked about two billion people in this world don't, have never even heard the name Jesus before. That's unbelievable. And you know, there's some people in this, in this town that don't know the name of Jesus like you know him. They don't have an understanding of Jesus as the perfect lamb, as the bread of life, as the king of of kings. Let's go back to verse 5 of Genesis 4. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. He's very angry. Sometimes in the Old Testament, we could see that God would throw fire from heaven, and that's how he would, he would proclaim that uh, this was an acceptable offering. And maybe that's what he did. Maybe here he threw fire on Abel's and he didn't throw fire on Cain's and, and Cain, oh, that makes me mad. But I'm guessing Cain was angry coming up to the offering. This is how I picture it. I, I took total liberty in coming up with this thought is, is that he, as he was walking by his field, he's like, oh, I forgot I got that thing today. And he just grabbed stuff and he, and he, and he came there and he just offered it. No thought process to it, no worship, no, no care. He was already angry. Maybe Abel was always the good son. Maybe a Abel was all that and he was just angry. I, I don't know. I'm taking liberty there. 
but he was angry here. He was mad. He was ticked because God liked his offering and not his. And you know what? A lot of times that happens with believers. A lot of times people who are believers will anger people who are not believers or who are not living by God's standards, and it's because they love God. There's just a, there, there's just a, a push there that you can't control, but that is normal in this world. It, throughout Scripture, it teaches us that, that we'll be hated. If you're a believer in God, there you will be hated. And you know what? You rejoice in the plundering of your home then, and you give praise to God. Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? God asked that question. If you do well, will you not be accepted? It's not saying if you just follow all these orders perfectly, if you go to church every single week, if you help your neighbor, if you give so much money. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying this is, a, this is works related. But if you do well, if you're well in your spirit, if you're, if you're faithful and you love the Lord God, if you worship him, won't it go well for you? Then you won't have to worry about the plundering, about someone taking even your life because of what you have uh, the assurance of. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. My kids always consistently try to scare me. And they crouch at the doorway when I'm walking in and they jump up. Ah! They try to scare me and most times they can't get me. But this, this isn't a little Reggie sneaking around the door. Remember when Reggie snuck in here and during the service and that was funny. This isn't funny. This is a huge warning. God is saying, whoa, hey, 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 calm down, calm down. It's okay. You're angry. Everyone's a sinner. Just calm down. It's a very dangerous situation you're getting to. You see, we get those warnings constantly in our lives. Holy Spirit, that's the beauty that we have now since the ascension of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit can fall upon us and, and now dwells inside of us. And now we can have the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to stop. You need to bow down and praise God and worship him because it is not going to go well with you because sin is crouching at your door and we need to heed to that immediately. That's why we hide scripture in us, right? Because we go to scripture and we say, okay, and, and we start listening and thinking about scripture and that's why we bow our knee to the Lord. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. Hey, hey, come with me. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Did God know where Abel was? Yeah. In fact, his, his blood was, maybe it says it right in here. It does. His blood was crying out to God. His blood was crying out, but, but God asks us these questions. And the Holy Spirit constantly, God constantly is asking you questions and challenging you. And, and we become so callous to it, like the calluses on our hands sometimes, that, that we don't want to listen to it anymore. And if we ignore it so long, we're so callous, then we don't have to listen to it anymore. And then we can just live our life. But when you start becoming more mature and in your faith with Jesus Christ, your heart softens up, just like the softening of your hands. And, and now, all of a sudden, you're more tender to it, and you hear it better. 
You understand it. When God is asking a question, there's a reason for it. Because he wants to help turn you. Then he wants to help bring you closer to him. And what we do is we run the other direction instead of leaning into it. Where is, your, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Even through his death, Abel continued to be a witness of the king. Even through his death, Abel's faith was seen as righteous. Cain, on the other hand, even though God gave him an opportunity to repent, you got to understand that God came to Cain, gave him an opportunity here. Said, come on. Don't we do that at, at, at church? We, we come to, to the person and we say, hey, here's what we're seeing going on in your life. Let, let, let's reconcile this. Let's figure this out. And, and some people, by all means, let's go to the Lord. Let's, let's repent. Let's, let's seek forgiveness. And other people just say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with the church. I don't want anything to do with God. I'm going to do my own thing. God gave Cain an opportunity, and Cain said no. God said okay. Cain was angry. 1 John 3.12, did you know it talks about Cain there? 1 John 3.12, it says Cain was of the evil one. Wow. That anger was real. Abel was persecuted because of his faith. John 15, 20 says that you and I will be also persecuted. But our faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That's where we keep coming back to. We have assurance of what God has already told us about. We know the return of Jesus Christ is going to happen. He's come once and he will come again. Abel was considered righteous. Many places throughout scripture we read that his blood cried out for the vengeance against the murderer. But we must remember that there was also another person killed. There was another person killed and another person that was way more innocent than Abel. In fact, this person, he doesn't cry out for the vengeance against the murdered. This person's blood cries out for the forgiveness of the murderer. His words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Hebrews 12, 24 says, To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. God's blood speaks way louder than Abel's blood. He is everything. May Jesus be glorified by the people in this church. May Jesus be proclaimed as your almighty king.